Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Saturday, April 15th, 2023. Coming at you live from Florida Media right here in Rockville Center. Big, big show coming up for you tonight. We'll be talking playoffs. Really excited about that. Mike Moriel will be joining us from NHL.com. Joining me tonight is Mr. Stefan Rosner. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Stefan Rosner, how are you? We got playoffs. We got playoffs, so I think buddy. everyone should be in a, in a good mood. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's always fun. What a, what a dramatic week that uh, we're coming from that we will get into. But before we do, I want to remind everybody that we are super proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. Also very proud to be sponsored by Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. And very proud to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. More about them later. So, yeah, Stefan, ups and downs. (laughs) It started out a little grim on Monday. We did the post-game show here, and, uh, you know, it was a little doom and gloom. We thought that Pittsburgh was going to sweep the rest of their games, and you fast-forward 24 hours from Monday night, and they're dropping a big one to the Chicago Blackhawks. The hope is back, and then we go back to UBS Arena for Game 82 when the Islanders take care of business, although it was a little shaky here and there, but they pulled out the win. They cashed their ticket to the post-game, and then they get a little help from Carolina. So the, to the postseason. Yeah. Did I say postgame? You did. I'm so excited, you know? <laughs> Just so excited. So to the postseason, Carolina gives them a little help. They beat Florida so that Carolina gets the right to play the New York Islanders. They win the Metro Division. So here we are. It is playoff time. How are we feeling about it? Well, I think anyone that's nervous, you should be. The Islanders are obviously going <laughs> in as underdogs. But true. credit to the Islanders, they always go in as underdogs. And the also back-to-back true. runs to the, to the semifinals, everyone said, oh, you know, they're going to lose in the first round. They get to the next round. Oh, they're going to lose. So this Islanders team understands that they're always going to be underdogs because they don't they lack that superstar that pretty much every team in the league has, mm-hmm. except them. Um, but uh, they find a way to get it done. It, it seems like maybe they'll go all the way. Who knows? But that's the whole point. Get to the dance. <laughs> And then dance. And if they could do the salsa when people are, I don't know, moonwalking backwards, I don't know. I'm not a good dancer, but, um, or know anything about dance. But yeah, fair enough. It sounds fair. But, uh, sure. you know, th- I would say nobody wants to play this team. Yeah, we've been saying that here on the show, you know, with the, with the hypotheticals, if yeah. they should get in, you know, the Boston's, the Carolinas, as, as great as both of those teams have been. The Islanders are probably the one that they were looking forward to playing least, right? When you look at the the teams at the bottom, maybe you make an argument for Florida because they had a really big surge at the end there, where they won like six, seven in a row. Before Alex the, Lyon, right? Yeah, what a story <laughs> it's he's like the been, hamburglar. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. But but look, I mean, look, we're here. They get the seven seed and they get to go in on their own terms, beating Montreal, and they get a little lucky with Carolina win that last game. So they, you know, they can hold off on Boston until the conference finals. You know what I mean? So that's nice. Yeah, like I said, I mean. <laughs> Teams that finish with the best record in the league don't usually win the cup. So, like, I wouldn't be shocked if Boston doesn't get to the cup final. But then again, you look at all these matchups, I wouldn't really be shocked with anything. That's why we love this league. Anyone can beat anyone. It's the playoffs. And I think for the Islanders, you know, the players have talked about it. They've been playing playoff hockey, I don't know, two months. (laughs) So, if any team's ready for the physical grind of a playoff series, it's probably the Islanders. 
Yeah, it's true. I mean, they've had to fight truth tooth and nail to to get into the spot they did. And, you know, much like the the wide regular season, even even this stretch was kind of a microcosm of that in the sense that you had the highs and lows, the roller coaster, the little lack of consistency. But the good thing is, is that they won a lot more than they did down the stretch, which is really what got them in there. And, you know, credit to the players on the ice first and foremost, but you got to give credit to not only them, the coaching staff, and also Lou Lamarillo for putting faith in this team to get it done. You know, Barzell goes down. He makes the, obviously he makes the deal for Horvat before that. And Engvall, he, he basically buys into this team. I mean, at that time, they were essentially out of a spot. Oh yeah, when that was going on, he was like, "Listen, I'm I'm going to put my faith in you guys. I'm going to pick these guys up, and we're going to go on a little run here." And they did. And and to everybody's credit, they rallied around each other, especially when their their star forward went down. And you have a team who showed some resilience, and definitely on the backbone of Ilya Sorokin, he obviously led the charge here as he has all season. But they're in, and now the records reset. And you got zero zero against Carolina. They're they're short one of their you know top forwards in Svechnikov, and I think they got a shot here. Yeah, for people that want to blame Lou for the lack of moves and not getting things done, that's a fair point. There was guys available this offseason that mm-hmm. maybe you know, again trades have to go two ways. You know, it's not that maybe Lou people say oh Lou didn't go for someone. We have no idea what Lou does or not. But like you said, to his credit, when the team needed somebody, maybe a little late, but when the team needed somebody, he gets Horvat, he gets Engvall. Hudson fashing over the summer in a quiet offseason where they made one move to get Romanov, who, by the way, after a tough first half, really turned into a top a top four D man, top three maybe. He was huge down the stretch. I know he's hurt now and he won't he won't play in game one, but mm-hmm. he made those moves that and an Engvall move. I don't want. I think the Horvath move saved the season, given that when Barzal and Pajot went down, he kind of wore all the hats. But you look yes. at Engvall and that Nelson Palmieri Parise line which was great once Palmieri returned against Toronto a couple months back, it went cold. It really did. You bring right. Engvall, you put Engvall on that line, and that line carried them offensively for a good stretch here um, when Horvat, you know, went cold offensively. So, again, his moves paid off. Again, not saying that he should have made one move in the offseason, but like you said, he kept the faith in this group. He got the moves he needed to get in, and, yeah, Sorokin's the reason why they're here. Nelson's offense is the reason why they're playing as well. Mm-hmm. But those, if you could take away those moves, the Islanders are not making the playoffs. No, I think uh, you're you're right on the money with Bo Horvat. Even though his numbers went down, everybody knows that everybody's been talking about it, but he did a lot more on the ice that didn't show up on the score sheet that with Matt Barzell going down, I mean, if Bo Horvat and Pajot going down, if Bo yeah. Horvat wasn't there, this team wouldn't be in the dance right now. They wouldn't be there, and, and you know, he, he ended up taking you know taking that big center position winning tons of faceoffs playing the pk he was playing power play he was all over the ice he was lo- he was lead- he i know he led the team in minutes a couple of nights he was logging like 22 minutes a night yeah. and stuff like that. so i mean he was a huge part of the success that they had even though he wasn't showing up on the score sheet. So uh, hopefully now with Matt Barzell coming back which is the big news now which we're going to talk about right He's now back. that's the word that's the word. I'm pretty sure you tweeted a little something about that. I might that. have. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So, so you know, look, let's let's get into that. Yeah. Let's talk about the fact that Ro- Romanov's not ready yet. Maybe he will be later in the series. That's the hope. But he's not going to skate for game one. But the big news here is Matt Barzell practiced with the team, and he has every intention on playing game one, and that's the expectation. Yeah, the guy missed 23 games. And, again, he credits, you know, he said, listen, you know, they played so well in my absence. Now, the record, obviously, they did win more than they lost, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, you know, beautiful it was grind. They had to grind again <laughs> yes. without Barzal. Yeah, little less creativity. Clearly, the power play struggled mightily in his absence because it seems like no one else can some. carry the puck over the blue line. Which yeah. again, they're all NHL players, and I understand you lost your guy, mm-hmm. but at some point, someone had to figure it out, and it didn't really happen. That's when you look at Noah Dobson, where now in the playoffs, you need Noah Dobson to be Noah Dobson. 
he can't be the guy that maybe took steps back in production and in, you know, in the power play. Again, smart, smarter decision-making, all that stuff. With Barzal back now, this power play is going to be huge in the postseason. Again, the numbers, like you said before, we right at the start of the show, numbers don't matter anymore. The right. fact that power play was third worst in the NHL right. means nothing. It's right. all about timely power play goals. Again, the Carolina Hurricanes finished first in the Metro uh, because they're a very good team. They are very active. The defense, Brent Burns is still one of the best. He gets shots through. Slavin's probably the most, one of the more underrated defensemen with Adam Pellick. I'd put those two in the same conversation. Mm-hmm. Yep, this Carolina sure. team, to me, is a lot like the Islanders because you could say they have a superstar in Ajo, but I still think he's very underrated. Uh, Svechnikov, obviously underrated as well. He's out. Pastoretti's out. But they have a lot of guys that just do those little things like the Islanders. And that's why they, I think... Matchup-wise, it'll be tough for sure, but I think it's it's a balance of you have two teams where everyone on the ice does something unique, I guess, for their team to help. It might not come up on the score sheet, and that's why mm. Hurricanes, I guess, just do it at a more consistent rate. Yeah, well, look, I mean, there was a 20-point difference between yeah. the teams in the standings, right? The Canes won the season series 3-1, to one, yep. so clearly through the 82-game grind, they were the better team. And now they're they're missing a couple of their biggest forwards here. That kind of balances things out a little bit. They do have a lot of similarities. If you, if you read the the series previews that are out there now, you know there's a lot of talk about how they both play low scoring. They both play a heavy defensive game. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are very well known for how how good they are in defense. I believe they're only second behind the Boston Bruins when it comes to goals against. So yeah. so look, I mean, it's going to be you know these people even joking about already how how much of a snooze fest it's going to be because they both play that defensive style hockey, but. But listen, that's what wins hockey games, especially in the playoffs. And and as far as I'm concerned, I don't care how it's done as long as it ends in wins, right? So if we see two to one, three to one grind out hockey, that's fine by me as long as the results are are in the Islanders' favor. But there's no doubt that that this is going to be a tough matchup. You you look at you just try to match the teams up against each other, and you know you probably give the advantage to Caroline on the forwards and on the D. Because, you know, I mean, it's a little closer on the forwards with the guys being hurt. Like, they have um, Sebastian Ajo, I believe, is their, their only 70-point player. Oh, no, sorry, Nekash. Uh, is that the right pronunciation? Yeah, yeah Nekash. So he had 71 points this season. Ajo had 67. And then after that, it's, it's, it's actually very similar to the Islanders in that there's a lot of, you know, 40, 50-point guys and whatnot. But the one difference, you have Brent Burns in the back end. with Second the, on yes. the team in assists. Yeah, yeah I mean, 61 the guys, uh, points. Age is just a number. Right, right. No, I mean, look, he's gonna be he's gonna be a huge problem for for the Islanders. But when you match them up together, you know, it's gonna come down to just how. Look, it might it might ultimately come down to the goaltending, and I want to get into what we think the X factors are gonna be for this series later yeah. on. But I mean, the goaltending is the one place I think where the Islanders have a clear advantage now. You can argue maybe, you know, in other other spaces, well, the Islanders have been to the grind, they've been to the conference final, they know they know what it takes to get there and whatnot, sure, but Carolina has a lot of playoff experience as well, so I look, I think this is going to be a really tight series, I really do. I could so see this series going seven games, and that's not just, I mean, again, I don't think, you know, let's say the Islanders did get swept, hypothetically, which I don't think will happen. I Like you said, I don't think it's going to be 6-1 loss. I think this is going to be every game is going to be a one- or two-goal game. Mm. And that's how the Islanders have to play games because they right. don't have the... Maybe they'll have the offense, but at the same time, again, it's coming through when you get you know a turnover right in front. Mm-hmm. Good teams, finish those. The Islanders, unfortunately, this year against the Canes especially, but at most teams, you know, the Islanders maybe don't come up with that goal when they need it. So this series, is all first off, the Islanders are only going to have a chance if they forecheck. They can't get on the forecheck. The Carolina Hurricanes have speed. Again, talking about Sebastian Ajo. Speed. I mean, these guys know how to get up and transition. Again, we talked about it against the series with the Devils or any of these fast teams in the NHL. 
The Islanders' bread and butter is dumping the puck in deep, getting on the forecheck, winning battles, cycling, dirty goals in front. Like, that's how right. they're going to have to play. Right. And if the Islanders come out of the gate and don't forecheck and let Carolina get to their game first, it's going to be tough because, again, the Islanders will be pinned in their own zone. And if that's the case and Barzal's line's out there, then they, 30, 40 seconds, they're in their own zone. They have to dump and change. Like, the, right. the best players are not going to be on the attack. And that's why, again... You get it on the forecheck early with that fourth line, which has been so good as of late. They started the last game against Montreal. I asked Lane why he did that because it's not something he'd done really at all. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is a game we had to get off to a really good start, and we wanted the fourth line to set the tone, win the forecheck battle. And I, we asked Lane today too, especially about Bolduc, who we'll get in, in a second, but the playoffs are physical, but it's not to the extent where it's all about hitting. It's winning board battles. All those little plays that the Islanders do so well when they're mm-hmm. playing well is why they have success in the playoffs. But if they get away from what they do well, like any team, it's going to be a tough battle again because you don't have the offensive players that'll just create. Now you have Barzal back, which is huge. But again, the Canes defense is so good. They know how to yep. close space. Yep. Barzal is going to try to do what he can, but at the same time, he's going to have to work so well with Horvat. And he talked about it, that the chemistry, he doesn't think it's going to be an issue at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I asked Horvat about it uh, when we were in California. And I said, you know, just because Barzal is not playing, is there a way for you guys to still build chemistry? And he goes, yeah, you know, we'll talk about the games. We'll talk mm-hmm. about the plays. But, um, yeah, it's different when you play on the ice. Barzal's not played in 23 games. I thought, you know, if he was 100% ready to go, which, again, he's 100% now. I think he's been 100% ready to go for a while. It might have made sense to put him in that last game. Not crazy minutes, mm-hmm. 15 minutes, 10 minutes, just to get him on the ice and get a feel for the game. But, again, he said that the trainers wanted to wait him out, make sure he's 100%. They mm-hmm. had faith they'd get it done. It'd be shocking if that news came out and they didn't make the playoffs, if he <laughs> yeah. was ready to go. I don't know if that news would have came out. Fair point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, th- again, this series is going to come down to who wants it more, obviously. But, again, those little <laughs> plays where, again, yeah. you have all these guys on this Islander team that do those small things, and that's when it matters doing that in the playoffs. Well, we got plenty more to dissect, but we want to thank everybody for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Mike Moriel will be joining us from NHL.com. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal, and now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. And join us from NHL.com right now is Mr. Mike Moriel. Mike, thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. How you doing? What's going on, Sean, Steph? Glad to join the show, man. Absolutely. Pleasure to have you on this Saturday night. We are very excited to be talking playoff hockey, so why don't we dive right into it? Uh, exciting field here, a lot of very intriguing matchups. Why don't we start there? Are there any playoff uh, matchups that you're looking at here that kind of has you a little more interested than the rest of them with a little intrigue, maybe a potential for a dark horse candidate or, or an upset? 
there, you know, this first round is is pretty intriguing in general uh, in both conferences. Obviously, I'll be I'll be handling for NHL.com. I'll be handling Devils and and Rangers series, and I think there's, as you guys know, there's a lot of clamor just for the fact too that we have the three Metro teams uh, in the yeah. playoffs too, right, guys? It's it's kind of an exciting time. Uh, playoffs in general are exciting, but to have three Metro teams since 2007 uh in the playoffs is is uh is going to be fun and for me personally uh doing the rangers and, and the devil series is uh um it, it is going to take the cake because uh, right now what the devils have done this season i don't think anyone expected them to be where they are right now as sure. far as the records they set with with wins in a season points uh road wins and and whatnot and the the season that jack Hughes had the goaltending was a question mark but vitek vanachak has seemed to uh have answered that although we kind of a little bit some little streaky down the stretch but uh he's the man in net and then for the rangers i mean all the changes that they made at the deadline with with kane coming over tarasenko um so you know it's going to be one of those series you know i think it might go six seven games uh, obviously, the Islander series with Carolina is an intriguing one. The Isles get in by the skin of their teeth, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you know, last uh, last game and they're in. So good for the Islanders and their fans. And I think, you know, I, I got to be honest. I mean, I know Carolina entering, you know, the, the, the season was was a trendy pick. Uh, yep. The Canes have that look about them, at least entering the season that the Colorado Avalanche had with, the, you know, offensively and goal and uh on defense but you know some key injuries there you know the goaltending is kind of faltered down the stretch a little bit so i think you know the canes could be right for the taking here and and the islanders are just going to be a bear um to you know withstand this this one could be you know personally i don't know if you call it an upset but i guess you have to with the islanders being a wild card i think any of the wild card teams that do win a series uh has to be a little bit of an upset but you know, I just like what the Islanders have done. And then, you know, those two series, obviously, in the East. And then in the West, really intrigued guys with, with the Avalanche, right? Sure. Uh, how they were able to withstand the, the you know, the season-long and now playoff absence of their captain, Gabriel Landeskog. Um, they're going in against a Seattle Kraken team, second-year franchise team, first year in the playoffs. Got some dynamic players. Uh, obviously, Matty Beniers is in, is one of the front runners yeah. there for the call to trophy. So I'm curious how Colorado is going to uh, you know fare in their first round match with the Seattle Kraken, and, and and then of course the Edmonton Oilers. Right, uh, we're still I think everyone is still waiting for Connor McDavid to finally get into some meaningful games, particularly in a Stanley Cup final. Hey, they they reached the the conference final last year, came up short mm-hmm. uh, against the Abs. But maybe this is the year with with the additions that Kenny Holland has made over there that they have what they need. Now, obviously, goaltending looks like a, a rookie's going to be in there. And Stuart Skinner, he's played exceptionally well down the stretch, was the rookie of the month in March. Um, so a lot of good things to like uh, with, with the Edmonton Oilers. But first, they got to, you know, take care of business with the Los Angeles Kings. And the Kings have had a great season. So overall, guys, I mean, I, I you know, I missed a, a couple series there, too, but those are the ones that got that are really intriguing to me in both the East and the West. Yeah, Mike, for me, um, just with the Devils, what clicked in your mind this year compared to last year? I think a lot of people thought the Devils would be much better than they were a year ago, but I think people were waiting for them to fall off this year, and they never did. So what what in your mind really clicked this season? Well, you know what, Steph, I, 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 per, personally, I think mean, coming into the season, 
you know, one of the items that needed to be addressed was was the goaltending. And Tom Fitzgerald did that with the acquisition of Vitek Vanacek. Now, I don't know if you guys agree, like, I wasn't really sure what Vitek Vanacek would bring to the Devils. Right. It was kind of a question mark his, his previous year with the Washington Capitals. I know he faltered a little bit there in the playoffs. He's only had three games of playoff experience, but he does have experience. Played fairly well, but struggled a little bit down the stretch. Um, but this year for, for the Devils, you know, that second week in the season, he really took off. And when the Devils had that long string of of of, of wins in a row and then those the road wins that they were doing, you know, VTech was it was a major league part of that. Uh, I think at the same time, you know, they were getting the the quality coaching that they needed out of Ruff. Ruff was not afraid to use these young players, show off their skills, you know, and, and then, you know, you kind of fill in the roster with pieces here and there. Um, you know, Andre Palat played a, a, a real nice role. Eric Halla uh, in the trade for Pavel Zaka. Now, Zaka, both, it, it, the trade fit well for both clubs. I think, obviously, Zaka, you see the numbers, guys. Zaka's done really, really well in Boston this year. And, and yeah. Haller's fared really well in Jersey as well as far as face-offs and playing that third-line role. I think Mike McLeod has come in, played a big face-off role in the fourth line. They missed Miles Wood from last year. He missed almost the entire year with the injury. Uh, that he sustained last year. This year, Miles Wood has come in and and been a leader for that team. Obviously, Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes have just been phenomenal in what they've been able to bring. Jesper Bratt, uh, you know, is going to be an RFA. Obviously, the Devils would want to re-sign him after the season, but, you know, Jesper Bratt is a player that he's grown with this young talent the last few years, and I'm sure the Devils want to uh, maintain that, you know, that consistency, that continuity year to year right now and particularly this season come playoff time yes Brad's going to play a huge role um for this club so i think all those things combined just kind of click together and the team was healthy this year steph too i mean last year they went through seven goaltenders because of health and Jeez. uh whatever the reason may have been uh so you go through seven goalies it's not a good sign um you know for success and and this year you know vtech like i said was the man blackwood played well He's a little inconsistent. He struggled with injuries this year. But then Akira Schmid was able to come in and get the job done. And now there's kind of a, uh, you know, I was at the practice today, uh, their first practice after the regular season game uh, for the playoffs. And, uh, you know, all three goaltenders were on the ice. So right now the big question is we know Vitek Vanacek is going to be that starter, but will it be Akira Schmid or will it be Mackenzie Blackwood backing him up when when Lindy Ruff was flat out asked that question, he says, uh, ask about the plan for the backup goalie. He looked at us and said, well, the plan is we have three goaltenders right now. And that was it. Case closed, throw the hat <laughs> down, throw the mic down. He's not saying anything else. And we probably won't find out anything else until Monday or Tuesday morning, whatever, uh, whatever Lindy decides. But uh, the Devils, no doubt, Steph, have really improved this year. I think from this point on, we're going to be seeing the Devils uh, become that playoff type team year in and year out. Now it's just a matter of if they can get over the hump and maybe, you know, win a couple rounds. But we'll see. First of all, it's the Rangers, uh, the Hudson River rivalry battle, and it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure, Mike. And I have to say, it was impressive to see how the Devils put that all together because I wasn't a believer. Even even in the early going of the season when they really started going on a tear and I was waiting for the bottom to fall out. And they finally hit a bit of a rut. I don't know, maybe it was in January. Some point you know, yep. towards the midpoint of the season where they finally put a couple of losses together. And I said, this is it. 
I said, this is this is when they're you know going to kind of hit reality and start falling d- down the standings. But to their credit, they picked it back up and they've they've been a wagon pretty much ever since. And it's really impressive. I guess before we pivot to the Islanders and Kane series, I mean, is the real kind of I don't know X factor a difference for the Island? Uh, sorry, the Rangers Devil series. Is it just that inexperience on the Devils? The fact that the Rangers have been there, they've been to the conference finals, and you have a really young team in the Devils. While there are some veterans. But is that going to maybe be the big difference aside from maybe the goaltending matchup when you look at the uh, the Rangers' experience versus the Devils uh, coming in here as a young team? Yeah, I, I think you're right there, Sean. Um, you know, let's face it. New Jersey is going to have to prove themselves um, in the playoffs. You know, we know what's happened here in the regular season. We saw it. And, I, you know, despite the fact they've done all these good things, I'm sure, like Devils fans, in, in some ways I'm even thinking – of it like is this bubble gonna burst uh you know i guess we'll find out game one you know the opening 10 minutes of the game the fans are going crazy back and forth i'm sure there'll be plenty of blue shirt fans in the seats so uh, you know uh it's going to be a great atmosphere and can the devils withstand that i mean can the devils win a 2-1 game a 1-0 game in the stanley cup playoffs because I'm quite sure that the Rangers are capable of doing that with the experience they have. Now, the Devils have some experience on their side, too. And and that was the idea when Tom Fitzgerald was thinking about the makeup of this team, when he brought over an Eric Hollow with some playoff experience, when he brings over an Andre Pilat, who's been lights out in the Stanley Cup playoffs in all those years with the Tampa Bay Lightning and winning those two cups. So there is some experience there to work with. Dougie Hamilton on the back end, John Marino coming over from the Pittsburgh Penguins with some cup experience. A playoff experience, I should say. Um, so it, it is there. Um, now it's just a matter of, you know, going out there, getting it done, playing the way they were playing during the regular season. But there's no doubt about it, Sean. It's, you know, this series could come down to goaltending. Can Vanacek make the critical key saves as he did during the regular season in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Because we know Shesterkin is going to be up to the challenge. Now, is Shesterkin, you know, beatable? Yes, he is. I mean, I, I need to see Igor uh Shesterkin you know come up with some big uh you know big time saves and and maybe you know saves that are going to help his team you know push forward in this series as well and maybe win a couple series before you become a believer I know he did a lot last year and and this year is too he struggled a little bit maybe the Rangers relied on him a little too much Mm but um obviously uh you know he's a he's an extremely strong goalie now the other the other factor too that I keep is maybe a talking point from my end of things is the Devils don't have that Jacob Truba type mm. of intimidation right. that the Rangers have. Right. Whenever Truba comes on the ice, the Devils have to keep their heads up. They have to be looking. You know, Truba has really turned himself into one of those defensemen that is just scary. He's scary good when he's out there. As a captain of the team, when you have a guy like that at wearing the C that can throw a hit, that can change the momentum of a game, that's a huge difference maker. The Devils don't have that type of guy. I mean, you could look at, you know, Brendan Smith, uh, who's a hitter out there. You know, Mike McLeod has thrown the fists and and, and made some big hits. Miles Wood made a, uh, you know, uh, when Brady Kachuk knocked uh, Yegor Sharangovich over the boards uh, a couple weeks ago in a regular season game against the Ottawa Senators, Miles Wood went right after Brady Kachuk. So, you know, there is that factor for the Devils where, hey, if you're going to push, we're going to push back. But I don't think they have that player where, Whenever he's on the ice, you're like, oh, boy, you know, I got to keep my head up. I got to watch where I'm going here. And sometimes that gets you off your game uh, in those type of instances, too. So 
for the Rangers and Devils, it's going to be interesting. Uh, um, you know, I, I think it's going to go seven, guys. Yeah, that that would be. I think every Ranger and Please, Devils fan would it. love to see seven as long as. <laughs> no, I'm team. stoked for that series. I can't wait to watch. And we didn't even talk yeah. about Timo Meyer too. That coming there too. Right, that'll, yes, that'll be right. fun as well. But to pivot to Islanders, Kane, you were just talking about defense. When you look at both of these defenses, I feel like they have like Pelic very underrated, and so is Slavin. But how do you think these these you know compare when they go up against each other? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the interesting thing. I mean. Uh, I mean, the, the the defense for the Islanders and what they've been able to, you know, uh, post this year and, and how they've able, been able to push. I, I think it's been, you know, they're mobile. They're strong. Um, you know, they got some leaders back there for the power play. You know, Pelic and Pollock, uh, Aho, May, Mayfield, they've done the job um, all season long in, in, in front of, you know, what many could consider the, you know, third, second, fourth best, best goalie in, in the NHL and, and uh, Sorokin and what he's been able to bring for the Islanders this year. I think, you know, I, I, I probably would give the edge a little bit to, to Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, Jacob Slavin has proven himself time and time again and what he's been able to bring for Carolina, both not only as a, as a, as a, you know, offensive type guy, but he's one of those defensive type defensemen that really can spark a team. He, he sparked Carolina certainly in previous seasons in the playoffs and in the regular season and what he's been able to do. I don't think he's given enough credit. In fact, you know, obviously Brent Burns, we all know what he's capable of bringing on the back end, you know, Brady Shea coming over from the Rangers um, has really proven himself in that top four role uh, for Carolina this year. And Brett Pesci is, has been posting the points, uh, you know, in the regular season and what he's been able to do in previous playoffs as well, guys. So, and, and, you know, you add in a Shane Gossespierre, who's another transitional force for them. Um, and I do think defensively, Carolina may have a little bit of an edge in this series and what they might bring. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the Islanders and you look what they have as far as forward wise um, and the depth they have there, you know, I, I, I kind of like what, what I see with them. Um, Sorokin's at the top of his game. Barzell's return kind of sparks the offense, mm-hmm. particularly on the power play. And, you know, we'll see, but I think that defense can maybe withstand that Hurricanes relentlessness uh, and that offensive zone pressure that we saw last year when the Hurricanes, uh, you know, played the the Boston Bruins so well in, in the first round of the playoffs. So, um, I, you know, I picked the Islanders to win the series, guys. I, I do think, that. you know, the loss <laughs> of some of those uh, forwards for 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 the for the Hurricanes um, is going to hurt them um, so offensively and. Um, I just didn't like their play that well down the stretch here. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, who knows what was going on, you know, behind the scenes, if, if players, you know, were maybe getting rested or not maybe going full bore. Uh, you just don't know. Um, but the goaltending to me, you know, was just mediocre at best. Um, and if the goaltending is mediocre and you're going up, a, uh, you know, against a player like Sorokin at the other end, uh, you know, to me, it's a you know no win situation there because Sorokin's going to be the guy that's that's going to get the better of you. So I like offensively. I'd like to see more offense from the Islanders uh, down the you know you, we didn't really see that push down the stretch. I'd like to see maybe a little more from Bo Horvat now that Barzell right. might be you would expect him to be back on that line there uh, with Anders Lee. So um, yeah, it's de- defensively though, guys. And to get back to your question, I, I just feel Carolina might have the edge. 
But then again, I like the Islanders offense and what they bring more than what Carolina's offense might bring. So it's going to be an interesting uh, give and take. Yeah, Mike, I, I got to agree with you on the defensive end, especially with without knowing when a guy like Romanov is going to come back for the Islanders because he's a guy who could probably really stabilize them back there. And they're putting a lot of faith in a lot of young guys. Half of their defense, you got young guys in Ajo, Dobson, and uh, now Samuel Balduk stepping in there, who's is already shown to have uh, some questionable decisions, a little shakiness there, some rookie mistakes. So I think that's going to be maybe one of the biggest things the Islanders are going to have to battle through is just, uh, you know, basically, you know, dealing with this younger defense and hoping that they can, you know, basically play some solid D there and be a little less uh, mistake prone. But you bring up a really interesting point with Truba on the Rangers, and I kind of want to bring that over to this series. So if you look at the, I know the fourth line isn't going to be the, the first thing everybody looks at in a playoff series, but you look at Carolina and you got Stasny and Puglia-Yarvi there. That's their fourth line essentially, right? And then you look at the Islanders and that's a very clear, physical, <laughs> brutalizing fourth line <laughs> in Matt Martin, Casey Zizekas, and Cal Clutterbuck. Now, is that something that maybe people are overlooking a little bit where that's where the Islanders could have a physical edge, much like you talked about in the Rangers-Devil series in that Truba situation where the fourth line is going to keep the guys on the Canes kind of keeping their heads on a swivel, making sure they're not getting clocked, in the, especially on the fourth check right that absolutely absolutely i mean when matt martin's on the ice and obviously clutterbuck year in year out is at the top of the hit list uh in the nhl Sezik is strong powerful centerman but matt martin when he's on the ice he's he's another one of those tom wilson type guys right you got to keep your head on a swivel you got to know where he is at all times you're going to get popped uh and if you're in the corner trying to dig away at the puck and you see matt martin Coming up uh, beside you, you know, you're going to be paying attention to that, maybe lose sight of what or focus of what you're doing. And in the case of uh, the Hurricanes, now that line, too, I got to be honest with you, Sean, like I'd be I'd be like that fourth line for the Islanders. I mean, they could they can put that against, you know, the second, third, fourth line of the Canes. I mean, it's it's that productive. And we'll probably see that, too, uh, you know, whether it be the start of the game to get the. The, you know, the team into it to get the guys going uh, middle of the game when when you need some energy, some enthusiasm, um, get that line out there. So, yeah, I totally agree with you that 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 line will be something the Hurricanes will have to be prepared for. I'm sure they're not being overlooked, though. Uh, when you have a guy like Rod Brindamore as a coach, right? you know, he's he's pouring over the video, seeing what and he's probably, you know, when they're home, they're probably going to want to get some line matchups against that line to make sure, make certain that no one's going to get popped, that they'll be able to play that relentless style that they're accustomed to playing with that great forecheck that Carolina usually has. But that line is tremendous. And once they get into the zone, it's very difficult to to knock the puck or get the puck away from any of those guys and what they're doing. And, um, hey, they can they can score a few goals, too, in addition to maybe making sure. some big hits to change the momentum of a game. So absolutely, I agree with you. Uh, given Carolina, how good they've been for the last couple of years, really, you think there's more pressure on them going into this playoff? Again, <laughs> they haven't gotten to the cup. And, uh, this again, Rob Brendamore has a great team. I don't think they did enough at the deadline. I don't think that anyone would have thought about the injury uh, to Svechnikov. But again, do you think the Canes have a lot more to prove? Yeah, that, that's a good question, Seth. I didn't really think about that. But yeah, you know, I, I, I guess the only the only thing we can say is that, you know, you give them a pass because of the injuries. Svechnikov's not going to be there. They don't have their, you know, full full offensive, you know, team. Uh you know, they got good balance. They got tons of playoff experience. They got, as we mentioned, the star D men um, that are there. 
the trade deadline pickup of of Gostas Fair, I thought was great. A little depth depth pickup there. Um, you know, obviously coached by one of the best uh, in Brindamore. You know, could the Islanders shock the hockey world and eke out? Uh, you know, that blue collar type of effort, that low scoring victory over Carolina. Yeah, I mean, and as I mentioned earlier, Sorokin's that kind of elite goalie. You can flat out steal games for you. You know, if he's at his peak. Um, the Hurricanes are still going to be, you know, hard pressed to to get many pucks by him. But it's just, you know, a, a Brindamore coach team. And I've seen this in the past. I've covered the team in the playoffs in the past. They're just very difficult, you know, to, you know, generate any type of activity in their zone through the neutral zone. So I expect these games to be these are going to be low scoring. I don't know if you guys agree. These are going to be low scoring games. Yeah. I, I don't anticipate I don't anticipate like four, three uh, type of games. These are going to be two, one, one, nothing type of efforts. I, mm-hmm. I think most for the most part. Now watch, they'll go out and it'll be seven, six in game <laughs> right. one. But yeah, <laughs> right. uh, that that's how these, both these teams are kind of what's ingrained into their styles and what they want to, what they want to bring to the table. And one of the players I forgot to mention two guys and I, I don't know. You probably would have brought him up anyway, but uh, I really like what, what Zach Parisi has done oh, yeah. uh, for the Islanders this year. You know, who would have thought, I mean, at his age and what he's been through, um, no one really thought of Zach. He was like kind of uh, not even secondary scoring, but on the backboard, hey, if you get something from Zach Parise, it's icing on the cake. But Zach has really played well this year. The two-way game, you know, everything that he brings that you remember about a Zach Parise type player, team, offense, coming back, getting the job done in his own end. Zach Parise has done that this year. So, just that's just as a little sign. I just came back, it came into my head. But yeah, I, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I think, I think Carolina. There is some some sense of pressure here. They want to get this done. They know, you know, I don't know if the window is closing, but uh, you know, hey, they were the they were the number one team in the in the Metro Division this year. Right. They're getting a wild card team. You would you would anticipate that this is what they would want to have happen, or a team that they'd want to play in the first round. But it's not an easy matchup. And as I said, I have the Islanders just because of the reasons I mentioned. But um, there, there could be some pressure on Carolina. I don't think too much, though, just because of the, the guy they have behind the bench, uh, working the bench, and, and Rod Brindamore. Well, Mike, outstanding stuff. You gave us your Isles Canes prediction. So do you have a Stanley Cup final for us and a winner? Uh, yeah, we actually have all those posted on NHL.com right now. And uh, just to keep you from, you know, so you won't have to go over there. I can I can go over the picks right. And so the first round, I have the Bruins over the, the, the Panthers. I've got the Lightning over the Maple Leafs. Oof. I've got the Isles. I got the Devils. And then in the West, I've got Dallas over Minnesota, Colorado over Seattle. I got the Jets upsetting the Vegas Golden Knights just wow. because Connor Hellebuck sure. to me is lights out. And I have the Oilers beating the Kings. And then the Stanley Cup final, I have the Bruins over the Avalanche, guys. I do think, despite all the, the, you know, what's gone on in Colorado this year, no Nazem Kadri as as a key cog, second or third line center, you know, Gabriel Landeskog out all year. I think Alexander Gorgiev can can get it done in goal for them. Um, And that counts my trophy winner, I think. uh, Let's go with Pasta. Uh, okay, for, for the Bruins. So, uh, there you go, guys. <laughs> so it's the Bruins Cup to lose after a record-setting regular season. There you go. Well, Mike, Talk it up. Outstanding <laughs> stuff, man. Really appreciate all your time tonight, and I hope you have a great rest of your night, man. Enjoy the playoffs. 
Thanks, John. Thanks, Steph. Have a, have a great playoff, guys. Thanks a lot. One. Take care. All right, guys. That was Mike Moriel from NHL.com. You can follow him on the Twitter at Mike, M-O-R-R-E-A-L-E-N-H-L for all his great content. He will be covering the Rangers and the Devils, like you said on the show. So great stuff, bud. What do you think? Boston getting swept in the first round. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, again, you, you want to pick Boston, right? I think everyone does. Historical season. Yeah. What pasta's done. What yeah. Allmark's done. It's like too good. I feel like it's I'm too not good buying to be in. True. I'm not buying in. I could see. Yeah. It. I could see it happening for sure. Again, there's no reason it shouldn't happen. It's Boston. They're stacked on every side of the puck and in goal. Yeah. I just. I can't wrap my head around them doing it. I. Yeah. You know, like it's the whole Presidents Trophy thing. Mm-hmm. Now, look. I know this is a different year because they literally just kicked the crap out of the. What, entire they have 19 league. regulation losses. Whatever. It was I, crazy. I, don't, I think it was like 12. It was ah. ridiculous. Whatever it was, but they barely lost. They they won this the president's trophy back in January or whatever it was. December. I mean it was no, yeah, yeah, it was a joke. But like it, it really is a new season. It's and, and all the credit in the world to that team and what they've done. I mean, Montgomery coming in as a as a yeah. first year coach with the team, not not first year in the league, but with the Boston Bruins. And sure, I mean, they, and also it's just how everybody wrote them off going into the season. I mean, you had yeah, a lot of yeah, non believers going into the. You had made injuries in the offseason. You right. didn't know when people were going to come back. You right. had Krejci back, which I think has been a real good thing. You have probably the best captain, I could say, in the league, just in the way he carries himself. There's never anything said bad about sure, him. He's a sure. selkie winner, usually. Right. I mean, this guy, right. and playoff experience. Mm-hmm. And you have Brad Marchand, who everyone hates, except if you're <laughs> a Bruins fan or you're a Bruin player. Right. And he just knows, I mean, he's so skilled. And uh, again, they're a good team. They're where they are for a reason. I think, too, is everyone wants to say, you know, about we could talk about Olmark and Sorokin, the, who's the best goalie in the league, Vesna. And while I understand everyone saying, well, Sorokin's on a much worse team, mm-hmm. look at Omar's numbers, the, the advanced stats, the goals saved above yeah. expected, those. Mm-hmm. Omar is still bailing his team out. It's mm-hmm. not like he, you know, it's not like a Robin Leonard situation on the Islanders where the Islanders locked down def- defensively so well that you didn't need a, you need an average goalie look like a superstar. But Omar has still had to make ridiculous staves and stand on his head yeah. again. It helps the shots aren't coming all the way from the slot every second. Sure. But. He's been outstanding, and this was a season going in where, you know, Omar was all right in his first year in Boston last year, but it's all right. Him and Swayman are going to balance out, and Swayman's been good, sure, but, I mean, what Omar's done has been remarkable, and just right. he's been a big reason why they were so good. It's not like he was a benefit of how good they were. He's been a major part of it. No, they've they've been a full package, top to bottom, and, and yeah, of course, they're the favorites, and look, but, again, I, I, I don't know if they're going to get – get to the end and win it all. I think Florida is going to give them a series. I'm not saying I think Florida is going to win the series, but I don't think it's going to be a walkover. I think you're going to see more of the Florida Panthers team everybody expected the, before the season started than the one we got for the duration of the season. And again, they showed signs of that towards the end there. They just they have a lot of firepower. And, you know, we'll see how if they start the kid in that line, if, if how he does, this is going to be his first playoff experience. So we'll see. That's that's obviously something that the Bruins might be able to take, you know, take advantage of. And with, with Kachuk, I just want to add, this is why they made this trade. This is right. for, I mean, again, the regular right. season did not go the way they wanted to, but they needed more grit. They let Huberdo, who is right. their all-time leader in points, yeah. go because they needed someone like a Kachuk that could light a fire in any given moment. And he's and he's done that. He's had a great year. But this is why you made that deal, for him to do stuff like that in the playoffs. Because if they're going to win a series, he's going to have to be, probably be their best player besides Barkov, who's always you know solid. He's, again, another, like Ajo, one of those underrated guys that power play, penalty kills, scores goals, sick passer. Yeah. I mean, again, these are the guys that Florida needs to, to wake up in the playoffs. 
For sure, but we still got a lot of Islanders to talk about. But before we get to that, I want to talk about Suter's Sweet Treats. That's right, Suter's Sweet Treats. So just in time for the playoffs, nice little care package here from the great the great women over at Suter's Sweet Treats. Megan Michelle, sisters out of Robertson County, Tennessee, sent us this excellent care package with all these fantastic cookies. They're delicious. They look great. They do custom cookies, right? And they'll ship them to you. You check them out on, on Instagram, at Suter's Sweet Treats. That's S. U-T-E-R-S, Sweet Treats. Check them out, but they do great work. We really appreciate this little care package here in time for the playoffs, and uh, they're, they're effing delicious. Here we go, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Delicious. So check them out on Instagram. Just want to send them a big thanks because that's fantastic, and this is the first time I've spoken with my mouth full on the say, show. Can you chew with your mouth closed as I'm <laughs> not, talking with my mouth Not really. This wasn't scripted, so we're just going with it. But Meg, Michelle... Huge, huge thanks. Really appreciate it. Uh, that's awesome stuff. So definitely check them out on Instagram. And, of course, before we go to our next break, want to send a big shout-out to Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game for you. From old favorites to the hottest new releases, we have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, or Game Night Live communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. And with that, we're going to take one more break. Then we're going to hop back on the aisle on the train, talk about this little series. We'll get into the hero. We'll get into questions brewing. The train rolls on. We'll be right back. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. Hey there, welcome back. We missed you too. Now kick up your feet and settle back in to Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. Welcome back to the program here at Hockey Night New York. I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY and your favorite podcast providers. So, Stefan, let's let's get back to Isles Canes here because that's yep. what we're all uh that's what we're all we're here for, right? So listen. You got. We talked a little bit about the goaltend, and we talked a little about defense. Let's focus on the defense for a second, what we talked about with Mike. So if you're an Islander, a member of the Islander organization, an Islander fan, an Islander supporter, and you're looking at this D with those young guys that I mentioned, I mean, how nervous are you putting that up against, obviously, a, a Carolina Hurricanes offense that's lacking a couple of guys here, but is this going to play a major role in the fate of the Islanders in this series? Oh, huge. Again, yeah. no matter how good Sorokin's been, mm-hmm. you need help. 
Yeah. And um, we talked about Boldick, but we'll get into that in a second. He's, you know, he's played, I think he's played 17 games at the NHL level. His first stint up when he relieved Dobson of an injury, he looked fantastic. Poised, quick decision making, mm-hmm. winning board battles. He's 6'5", uh, maybe not 6'5", 6'4", 200 and something pounds. Guy could lead the body, win battles. But his second stint up hasn't been as smooth. Last game, he didn't play a shift in the third period. Yeah, we all know why. Yeah. Again, a little too lackadaisical. We talked to him today about it. He thought he had more time. He said he should have looked over his shoulder again. We asked Lane about how you, you know, how do you have a conversation with a young guy to make sure he understands? And and he gave a a Lane answer about, you know. (laughs) Of course. He didn't really give us much, but more you talk to him, you go over the video. It, It is what it is. But, again, that's a rookie making rookie mistakes. But that could be the difference between winning a game and winning a series. It really could. One mistake in overtime or early on. And that's the concern because as much as there's veteran D-men in the lineup, you know, Ajo has looked better than he's ever looked this year. But at times, he makes those mistakes. He gets bodied off the puck, which will be the biggest thing in this series is in the corners. Is he going to be able to stay on his feet and box out Dobson defensively? Maybe he's taking strides in the wrong direction this year. And, And they, again, with Romanov out especially with how mobile Carolina's D is. Dobson has the ability to do that as well. We just haven't seen it enough. Right. And again, having a guy like Boldu, again, who's strong defensively, does Dobson have the trust to jump in on the play? You know, that's the battle I think Mm -hmm. that Dobson mentally has to make because with Romanov, once Romanov figured it out, and I know he wasn't playing with Dobson down the stretch, but once Romanov started to figure it out, he was staying back, Dobson was going up before they were separated. That had that mindset. But now you had Ajo with him at times where those are both... Guys are going to be offensive. And then Boldu could go. And again, as strong as he is defensively, he could jump on the play. He gets shots off. So it's that balance of chemistry just, hey, I'm going to jump up. Because if the Islanders get caught, again, the Canes have the speed. And that'll be the biggest thing. I think um, I could see Lane shortening his D bench. If he sees Boldu struggling yeah. off the bat, you run five. You know, you have no, again, you have no choice at this point. This is my biggest concern for the Islanders in this series. It's the defense. Yep. One, and, you, you know, it's funny. Over the last few years, you, maybe you never think you're going to say that, but but that really is what it comes down to for me. Now, look, you know, we all know about the lack of scoring on both sides here, so it's going to come down to who can get through the other team's defense best and then the goaltender, right? Yeah. And so the Canes have the advantage on the defensive side. The Islanders have the advantage on the goaltending. It's really going to be which one's going to hold up the other best, I think, is what it's going to come down to. And, and, that's, and that's when I said, who wants it more? Not into the aspect, of course, both teams want to win this series. But again, it's coming down to those little board battles. If you're fighting in the corner, the who wants it more comes down to there because that leads to offensive chances or turnovers, things like that. It's That's what it's going to come down to is the forecheck of both sides. And also, the Islanders have been practicing it a lot. Boxing out is going to be huge. It's, it's going to be that, and it's also just going to be mental fortitude. It's going to be just knowing where you're supposed to be at the right time, having your head in a swivel, making sure you're covering guys in front of the net, in the slot, wherever it is. Because that's where you saw some of these guys getting caught over the course yeah. of the season. You know, just missing assignments, leaving guys ro- wide open. Now, Sorokin did his best to make a lot of those saves when he did, but he's not going to stop them all, and he hasn't. And that's what I'm concerned about is the Bulldukes, the Ajos. And unfortunately, you know, you, you look at it, and there's three veterans and three, you know, young guys, rookie-ish guys, right, and, and Ajo, Bulldukes, and, and, and Dobson. And then you have Pellick, Pullick, and Mayfield. But Mayfield's had a little bit of a rough go of it this season, too. And, you know, whether it's maybe not so much coverage, but turnovers, he's had he's had a rough time. Penalties. Like you, yes, penalties, icings, unnecessary icings. Well, he's been doing that for a while. Yeah, it's kind of his thing. Yeah, but even just, 
when you talk about the four checks, when he's getting pressured down in the corner, he has a tendency to rush the puck up the boards, and he's not looking to see who's there waiting for the puck, and it's, and it's ended up in a lot of turnovers. And that's and, what Boldy the last couple of games, too, throwing pucks. See, again, I'm a goalie. You played. <laughs> you were a forward or a defenseman? Uh, both, but I'm a defenseman. Okay, now. we all yeah. watch hockey, but, I mean, as a goalie, even though I didn't play out or sure. up, for, I was always told you never look – Cross the crease, unless and you see it at the NHL level only right. when it's clear that you're breaking out on the on that side. Mm-hmm. There's you know a pass across, no one's there. Right. But in pressure situations, and that's what I gets me nervous with Bullduke is over the last couple of games he's tried to break out through the slot. And maybe there's mm-hmm. a forward there. I know the goal was it against I don't know what game it was, but mm-hmm. Bullduke or somebody tried to go up the ice to Nelson in the low slot, and the pass missed, and it mm-hmm. went to the boards. Dobson turned it over, and the team scored. Mm-hmm. But it was just that first look. You know, again, I'm not an NHL player. I probably don't know what I'm saying. But, again... <laughs> right, it's easy for us to say it watching from our yeah. couches and from the press box. Yes. Obviously, Bolduc saw that Nelson was there to break out. And mm-hmm. he thought, okay, I could get it right to him in the low slot yeah. and he could do it. And the pass just wasn't there. But, again, against Carolina, against these really good teams, mm-hmm. they will burn you. Montreal, by the way. The Islanders did win that game and it was close. But if Montreal had yeah. any type of finishing ability, yeah, that game is over. Over in like the first period, they, they missed had so many wide so open many chances. So many chances, one hundred percent. Like you know, Nelson had a couple goals, which is great. Fashing had a goal. You know, all that's good stuff. But Sorokin once again bailed this team out. Yeah. I mean, and 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 there were just some misses on the post going up over the net up from the Habs. But I mean, it's it's, it's kind of been a common theme where you know the, these guys have left Sorokin out to dry, and they're kind of always asking them to to you know cover up for their mistakes and. We're probably going to see more of that in this series. It's just a matter of how much. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest differences here is just how simple can the defense keep it, right? Where they're not, you know, making, making you know, um, silly decisions under pressure. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. If the Canes get in get on, in on that forecheck and they're really forcing the, the defense to, you know, make mistakes, then that's going to be a huge difference in the series. But maybe Sorokin bails them out. And maybe on the other end, if the Islanders can get their forecheck going and they can get past the Canes' offense, then they're not facing a Sorokin-level goalie in Anderson, and maybe that ends up being the difference over there. So it's I think this is what it's going to come down to. And you make a good point. You're talking about defense, but we're not just talking about the defenders, right? The forwards getting back and making sure they don't make mistakes, leaving guys yeah. the third guy high, things like that. That's That was one of the biggest issues all year is when the defense was struggling. It wasn't just the defensemen. It was the forwards not being in the right spot or the forwards leaving right. the zone too quickly. And when that happens, that's where there's breakdowns and odd man rushes like quickly in the neutral zone. That's what the honors have to worry about is make the first play before you make the second play. That's an individual level and a team because when the Islanders were playing well, their structured breakout was perfect. Defense mm-hmm. gets it up to the guy on the boards. Right. Board guy dumps it to the guy uh, in transition and off they go. And that's when they get puck. You can't forecheck if you don't get the puck out of your zone. So I think, again, I just want to touch on Matt Martin quickly because we talked about the fourth line. Mm-hmm. I don't think people really understand how good of a season Martin had. I have some numbers. First off, he played in 81 games. He missed one game because of the birth of his daughter, second daughter. He That's had a, a great cre- point to make because we always talk about how unhealthy that line is. Yeah, and Clutterbuck went through and we talked to him today, right. and he was just grateful that the team got them in so he gets a chance. Again, an older mm-hmm. player mm-hmm. dealing with injuries. But Martin's hit a career high in points. 12 assists was a career high. Seven goals tied a career high. Okay. 295 hits. That was the most since the 2016-17 season when he had 300. He had 43 blocks, the most since his rookie year. Okay. Again, this is a guy, also too, when they broke up, when Clutterbuck got hurt and they moved Zizekas to the wing, mm-hmm. Matt Morning was playing with the likes of Ross Johnson, Atu Ratu, Simon Holmstrom, Cole Barjo. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're talking about guys where Lambert, out of necessity, 
knew that he could put anyone with Matt Martin because mm-hmm. Martin played, he called it a simple game north-south. And Martin played, he was, again, he was terrific this year. Again, this is a guy where you thought his career was going down. He wasn't healthy. He Been hearing angle. it every year from fans for like the last two, three years. But yeah. you look at the numbers and he's bounced back. Yeah. And, he, and he's been great again. This fourth line has really clicked since Clutterbuck coming back, obviously, but Matt Martin has produced the offense. He's made some key plays. Yes, he's not as fast as he once was. He's Maybe he's not as physical on a night-to-night basis, mm-hmm. but he's going to be so key to this playoff run. I know fans have been nervous with the lines that we've been tweeting out. Matt Martin yesterday didn't take oh, any rushes. Yeah. Bailey the did. Martin didn't play today, mm-hmm. uh, skate today. Mm-hmm. So everyone could relax. <laughs> I asked Lane yesterday, and I, we was asked today, Matt Martin is playing game one. He's right. playing. Right. Again, Guy, I just told you, 295 hits, the most in, I can't do math, 2016-17 was a long time ago. <laughs> this yes. guy had a grind of a season, and mm-hmm. I think, again, the fourth line, the four-check, if the Islanders cannot get to their four-check, especially early in the series, mm-hmm. the series is over. Look, we've said it plenty of times in the show that the playoffs is the time of year where your bottom six shines, like really shines. Everyone that scores those and, game-winning goals in the playoff series right, are like this is this is when we're going to see the Palmieri's Sorry, not Paul Mary. The Pajos, the Fashings, the Martins, the Sezikises, like they're going to be the guys that are going to be shining bright and scoring some big goals if there's big goals to be had for the New York Islanders. Not to say that the top half isn't going to do their thing. They will. But when you have these tight scoring games in the playoffs like you usually have, it's those are the guys you're usually looking at for the heroics that are making the big plays, the big four check, whatever it is, and leading to a, a grindy little goal, you know, puck off a shin, you know, or a little rebound goal, whatever it is, lunch pail goal. I mean, and the, and the, this, this Islanders fourth line, as aged as it is, they're going to bring it, and they're going to be a big factor in the series. And I think people also not understanding, yes, Barzal is going to help offensively, and even defensively, too, when he was there, it was, it was fine defensively, is now the other team's coach, Brendan Moore in this case, and the defenseman, it's one thing to guard Horvat. Mm-hmm. Maybe you put your second D pair on Horvat when there was no Barzal, right? Because as, as good as Lee is, you know what Lee's going to bring. You can't know what Barzal is going to do. These third-line guys and fourth-line guys, maybe we're going up against the top two pairings. But now you got to worry about Barzal's line with Horvat yep. and Nelson's line, which was unstoppable. Those third-line and fourth-line are not going against the shutdown D pairs. Well, maybe they were if Barzal wasn't playing. Sure. So that makes more ice for them, probably. Again, this is not a team that allows ice. But Pajot might get more chances. Fashing, Sezikis, they're going to get more chances than I think they would have gotten if Barzal wasn't back. And that, that's when you have to capitalize, and that's when the Islanders have struggled but they might get those extra one or two shots a game, and that might be the difference maker. You never know, but we got to blitz through some more of the show because, wow, we are already up against 9 o'clock. So we're going to forego what's on tap because you all know who the Islanders are playing. <laughs> they playing? They're playing the Carolina Hurricanes Thanks, for at Chicago. least the next yeah. four games. So we'll, we'll worry about uh, what's on tap another time. So, Jay, how we doing, bud? Going to go on a little Hero of the Week. How you doing over there? I'm surviving. Hey, you're here. I'm, I'm <laughs> you, here. Yeah, no Ed tonight, so I'm, Jay's filling I'm in. I'm present. Accounted for. <laughs> present. Yeah. Present. Yeah, All right, present. man. Let's let's go into some hero. All right, Hero of the Week coming up, sir. That's right, folks. When you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is The White Well, featuring chicken cutlet, gravy, onion rings, bacon, fresh mozzarella on a toasted garlic hero. Step on in. To Blue Line, Deli and Bagels, Huntington location, mentioned Hockey Night New York, get half off the white. Well, so with that, Mr. Stefan Rosner, who's your uh, Hero of the Week? Oh, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. You got to give them credit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're not, mm, Islanders aren't probably sitting coming. here if 
Penguins handle that one, and you got to credit mm. the goaltending. I mean, Penguins are all over them, but the actual hero of the week for me is Hudson <laughs> Fashing, not because he scored his 10th of the season, which Ten obviously goals. he came into this year with only one goal ever in the NHL, and he, his story is just amazing. But in that Montreal game, you know, the Islanders take a one nothing lead, mm-hmm. right? And it's 1-1, and you're looking at it and going, okay, the Islanders played a really good first half of the mm-hmm. period. Once Nelson scored, they kind of said, that's good. We got our goal. Right, right, we did it. We made it. And then Montreal yeah. scores, and I think what's, again, you don't know how the game's going to go, but fashing, mm-hmm. crashing the net to get a, a dirty goal with under 30 seconds to play. Yes, it wasn't the game winner. The Canes eventually made it 2-2, but... To go into the second period with a lead, I think, was so critical. Again, I know that it wasn't the yeah. game winner, but again... They might have been shaking in their boots, gripping the sticks tight, sure. So I think, sure. for, for me, he's a hero of the week just because of how critical that goal probably is, looking back. Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. You never know what would have happened in the second. But, yeah, that goal, I think, was huge for their confidence, even though they blew that and they eventually won, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's still a good call, and we've been, we've been really uh, high on Hudson Fashing ever since he came up and played the way he's played, so... Hat tip to him and good pick by you. But I'm going another direction, and that is Mr. Brock Nelson. The guy has been an MVP for this team all season long, and he gets the opening goal against Montreal. He gets the eventual game winner. And he's, look, he's been clutch for a long time for this team, and he's, it feels like he found a way to be even more clutch this season, you know, especially with Barzell going down and him kind of carrying the offense on his back, you know, for a good majority of the season. You could even make an argument for last season, too. And he's just been such a stellar player for this team and, and really kind of being, you know, the, you know, you, you talk about like a 1A, 1B center here, you know, for the New York Islanders where, yeah, typically whatever line Barzell's line is the first line, but the Brock Nelson line has just been tremendous. And that's really who's whoever's been, you know, flanking him. And obviously most recently you have Paul Mary and, um, and Pierre Engvall, which has been great so far. And hopefully that carries into the, into the postseason. But um, Brock Nelson's been outstanding for the Islanders, and he had a huge, huge game and another uh, clutch performance. Yeah, I mean, Brock Nelson, we talk about just the confidence. He has yeah. 32 more shots in the, this year than he's ever had. Tw- 222 is a career high. I don't think he had over 200 ever. Look at that. Um, and his speed has been on display, too. He's flying out there. I don't, I don't know if what's changed with that. Again, he's past 30. He's not in his prime. And, you know, he's in his prime right now, clearly. Yeah, Back-to-back yeah. 35-plus seasons of goals. Right, but right. he's just... I think this confidence, especially with what Trotz did with him, obviously helped. Mm-hmm. He's just really believed in himself right yeah. now. I, I do believe because Trotz came in 2018 that maybe he's not a young in his prime guy, but let's say his career started when Trotz got here. It's, Technically speaking, year-wise, he's in his prime right now. It certainly hit the next level. Yeah. You know, whatever whatever happened, whatever mojo we found playing for Barry Trotz, whatever belief Barry Trotz put in him because that's really I think that's really when he started you know getting you know bigger responsibilities yeah, and getting put in sure. you know um, you know tougher situations and, and he embraced it and he's and he's like you said he's been cool as a cucumber ever since oh, yeah. he's been a leader for this team ever since so hats off to him and and he's obviously going to be a big factor in this series against the Canes and that will be your heroes of the week so remember stop into the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location mention Hockey Night New York for half off the white whale and with that why don't we go into co-questions Baruin? please <laughs> come on man <laughs> it's time for questions brewing brought to you by lost farmer brewing company that's right folks it's quest time for questions brewing jay how's it going bud you, you handling everything back there i know you don't got ed you're doing it all yourself tonight 
It's actually pretty nice and quiet back here. Oh, wow. So you don't miss them. Oh, it's going to be disappointed to hear that. I got more space. It's great. Got my desk back. (laughs) Wherever you are, Ed, stay there. Wow. Yeah, let's go. Wow. Wow. All right. Very nice. Let's do it. So so what do you got for us, bud? Uh, We got like six or seven questions. Okay. Uh, First one uh, is from Mike4652. What's up, Mike? I'm going to slaughter all these names, by the way. Do your best. All right. It's reading comprehension. All right. Do your best. Let's see. uh, With recent news about uh, the Brincat not wanting to uh, resign an OTT, any way the Isles could even consider bringing him back in as a scoring winger we still need? Mike doesn't even care about the playoffs. He wants to know what they're going to do. What's up with that, Mike? It's a good question. (laughs) No, it is because it raised an eyebrow for me, too. Go ahead. Well, first off, I mean, this is a guy who's ultra talented. He's got Mm -hmm. speed. We saw it with Chicago, we've seen it with Ottawa. I think, sure, if you could afford it and make the move there. Right. But um, the honors have so much they have to deal with first yeah. about deciding who they want to keep uh, that, that's fit. Again, we right. look at Pierre Engvall is going to want to get paid. Nothing crazy, but... Well, when, I don't know if Engvall is a guy that comes back if you're bringing it to Brinkett. No, honestly. for sure. And yeah. I think, obviously, if you're comparing, but right. just because a, a guy's talented doesn't mean he's going to work. You know Engvall worked. Yeah. That's where it go, comes sure. down to. But, I mean... Listen, Lou's got to make decisions this offseason, but at the same time, they need to add more speed, especially to have bet. I think their biggest thing is having speed, better regular youth. seasons. Mm-hmm. And again, as much as this defensive style work, they, they've gotten in. The regular season in the playoffs, we've talked about, are such different games. Speed and skill dominates the regular season. That's why mm-hmm. the Boston Bruins, as good as they are defensively, speed and skill, avalanche, speed and skill. Um, pretty much any team that is Toronto, speed and skill. Yeah. That's what it takes to dominate a regular season. You still need that veteran uh, defensive play and all that kind of stuff. But to bring that's a great player. I know he's not gonna. He doesn't want to be a long term in Ottawa. So yeah, sure, why not? But uh, I think the focus is on the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. L- listen, I mean, we, we got plenty of time to talk about that. I, I think it's fair to bring up because look, that's a name yeah. that's going to raise an eyebrow, and you're going to want to be talking about. I mean, look, you know, you're going to need time to think about who they're going to give up, what they're going to give up, what kind of caps base they need to, you know, clear, and also, you know, who who they're not going to bring back to make that space. So I, I love the thought. Yeah, if you can if you can make room for Debrinket, you, you do. absolutely yeah, do sure. it. There's going to be 31, 30 other teams that are going to be feeling the same way. But, but yeah, I mean, that's the name you keep an eye on now that it looks like he's not going to stick with the centers. Jay. All right, let's go. CGS asks, how many games do you think it will take for Barzell to become effective in top game speed-ready form since he hasn't played a game in a few months? One, and I'll tell you why. Adrenaline. This guy hey. has oh. been... I saw, I saw him skate. What did I say? I saw him skate earlier in the week with Romanov in the morning before everyone else. This guy was flying and celebrating. Empty net goals. He's so eager to get out there. I think, again, other players too, especially with Barzal, just because his game is such speed and skill and mm. pivoting and he had a bad leg or whatever it was. I think he's not going to feel any of that. Maybe later on in the series, you might see him being a little sluggish just when that adrenaline wears off or mm. the physical. I mean, he hasn't been hit in a long time. But sure. I think he has been waiting. He said it was so annoying and, and sad just waiting and watching. It's painful yeah. that right. I think he's going to come out flying because that's all his mind's thinking about is, mm. first off, they didn't get playoffs last year, which right. a lot of these players talk about that, you know, we missed out on it last year. Yeah, and this yeah. is a group. I think Barzal is going to have no issues. He's gonna, again, he's well-rested too. There's kind mm. of no excuse for him to not be flying. But again, he'll have to feel it out as the series goes on. People are going to start hitting him much more. It's going to be grueling. That's every mm. player though. But I think... Yeah, adrenaline's a power, powerful thing, especially for hockey players. We see them get hurt and just doesn't matter. 
broken legs, broken ankles. They're playing through everything. No, I love the enthusiasm there, and, and I'm sure he's going to get going from the get-go. It's just a matter of, you know, like Lambert's, uh, Lambert, Lambert said. Cut that. The, the timing, you know, he yeah. might just be a little off with the timing. That Hopefully. might be one thing. I just don't think, I don't think, <laughs> lame, I don't think, yeah, timing might be one thing with just connecting on passes, but I don't think the energy level or the speed is going to lack at all. For sure, for sure. Uh, all right, what do you got next, Jack? All right, let's go. Uh, try the A. Does Lambert Does he win coach of the year? Kidding, kidding. But but he should get some credit for getting the Islanders in the playoffs without Barzell and uh, Palek for long stretches. <laughs> or do Pitt, Florida, and Buffalo just suck that much? Uh, I think it's twofold. I think Pitt definitely sucks that much. <laughs> uh, Buffalo was an interesting one because I don't think people expect them to take that next step like the Devils, but they were still a little bit away. I think they they overachieved a bit of how close it was to making the playoffs. Mm. Again, you had a, lo- a young goalie come in at the end that really, really kept them mm. alive for a little bit, but mm. they were alive because Pittsburgh, the Islanders, even the Capitals had uh, look at January as a month. Yeah, if the yeah. Penguins or Capitals, even Sabres, had average. Everyone had a chance to run away with it, and nobody did. But I I do think Lane, though, deserves credit. You look at this team and what he—this team in general, right? Mm -hmm. They're probably a borderline playoff team with everyone healthy just because of the way they played. Yes, he made rookie mistakes as a head coach, but to his credit, he sat Josh Bailey, which Trotz did a little bit last year. But to his credit, Lane did not care about— the loyalty aspect. I mean, he mm. sat Bailey before his 1,000th game. He delayed a home 1,000th <laughs> right. game against the Rangers. Yeah, it was pretty cold. I mean, we know Bailey he had a great 1,000th game in Carolina. That goal was beyond yeah, filthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he sat him. He's taking guys out of the rotation. You know, taking Bullduke out. Holmstrom he's taken out. When players weren't playing well, they were taken out of the rotation. Yes, again, he's made his mistakes. But he rallied this group. Again, this group could have folded with Barzal. And yes, it's about the leadership in the room as well. But all the players talk about how uh, Lane's emotions carry them. And we don't see it. But just because we don't see right. it, the same way we don't say, like, oh, how could so-and-so be a captain? Like, we're not in the room. Lane is probably right. exploding on these guys and then comes mm-hmm. out and gives us the face because that's that's <laughs> what he does. Right. But they all spoke about the emotion and how he helped them carry and go through that. So I think Lane definitely deserves more credit than anyone um, is willing to give him. I think he deserves credit for getting them to the dance with the adversity that they faced over the course of the season. But when it comes to Jack Adams' votes... Oh, he has no shot. No. Well, <laughs> no, forget about how... We know that. But, yeah. like, I don't even know if the guy gets gets any votes. I mean, you look at Ruff. You look at Montgomery. And there's, there's plenty of other teams, I think, that you can take a look at. And, and are, you know, the coaches of those teams are much more deserving. So, listen, I, I, and Trotty, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I almost feel like you might have been a guy saying fire lane midseason <laughs> during the chat. Maybe you weren't one of those guys. But I know there was a lot of that going on in the chat. So it's nice to see, you know, it take a positive turn. But either way... It was up and down for him. He ultimately got them into the playoffs. He deserves credit, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pump the brakes on short of any any uh, coach of the year you know votes. Jay. All right, let's go. Uh, we have a programming question. Uh, what's the plan for the Hockey Night in New York podcast schedule as the series goes? That's a fair question. Uh, well, right now it's gonna go on as expected, one each weekend. But they do play Sunday at one. Right, so we might do a post game after that that night. We're gonna have to see. We're gonna we have to you know do some behind closed doors meetings. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting a viewing party in there somewhere for a road game. Obviously, we ha- nothing's happening uh, on Monday. Um, if we can sneak something on Wednesday, it'll be a little 
you know, look, it's very short notice. Maybe we'll try to do something for uh, for game five. But um, after that word salad, uh, right now, it's it's basically just going as scheduled. We'll get a show in next week. But um, if there's something we could sneak in to maybe cover mid-series, maybe, you know, a little bonus episode to, to kind of cover the games as they go on, we'll try to do that. But right now, uh, for sure, we're, we're going to keep it at the weekly. All right. Got a couple more. Uh, DTMR asks, should the Isles immediately take a penalty when they get a <laughs> PP? Power play? They should take the yards, I think. Well, listen, I mean... They scored a power play goal. Well, not only that, but look at what the power play was like when Horvat and Barzell were there. Oh, this And now they're play, both going to yeah. be there. It might be a different thing. I say you give the first power play a chance. Yeah, and again, <laughs> right? we talked about it. Numbers now mean nothing. Sure. If the power play, it's all about, for any stat now, it's all about in the moment getting it done. So let's see what happens. Again... The power play has been abysmal all year. It's the reason why they had to fight for their lives here. It's probably the biggest reason. I think they have, again, third worst power play and you made the playoffs. Just imagine them coming through at 5 or 6% higher. Right. Maybe they're fighting for the third seed. Or maybe they're just safer. It sure. wouldn't have come down to game 82. But again, right. it's the playoffs. It's Barzal back. Horvat, I was seeing a practice yesterday and today. Barzal to Horvat in the, sl- in the bumper. Mm. Getting shots on goal. So I think... Again, it doesn't matter how if the power play goes one for five, without one is the game winner or the tying goal or the go-ahead goal. You know, and, it doesn't and matter. Caroline is one of the most disciplined teams in the yeah. league, so, so I wouldn't I wouldn't expect too many power plays to, to begin with. But uh, let's give it a shot now that it's at full power. No pun intended. <laughs> All right, you want one more? Please. Sure. All right, let's go. Tradier, any word on when uh, Romanov may come back? So not game one. We asked Lane if he's going to travel. They're not sure. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know what his injury is. I guess it's a positive that he is skating, but again, it is an upper body injury, so he could skate the same way Clutterbuck skated during his upper body. Uh, I think him being out is a real tough, tough blow. We talked about the young. Yes, he's young as well. He does have experience, though. He didn't play much, but he was on that Montreal Canadiens team that did go to the cup final. Again, he didn't play a lot, but he, he did play. He has that experience. And again, physicality. This is a guy that could spark a major win just with his body and the, the booming hits that he lays, but... We don't know now. We will update you. Once I know, everybody knows. Like We'll get it out there. I'm not going to hide anything. But uh, for right now, he's not playing game one, and that's all we know. But he was considered day-to-day, right? He's so there is, there is hope that he can get in there at some point during the series. And I'm not going to be shocked if he played in game one because why would Lane... I Lane tipped the hand on Barzal because I mm-hmm. think they needed to get Barzal practicing and have him back, but... Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Romanov's warming up on Monday Another night. day off tomorrow? At least, you know, not a game. You know, because they are practicing tomorrow. Yeah, They're practicing said. tomorrow morning, yeah. yep. So, listen, maybe if we see him on the ice tomorrow, it gives a little more hope, but that doesn't even necessarily tell the story either. He could literally be day-to-day up until warm-ups, right? Yeah, that's And what then I'm all of a sudden he's out there. So, um, hopefully, at the very least, we see him in the series, even if we don't see him um, to start. But uh, I want to see this guy in the playoffs, again, because he, his yeah. dynamic change from struggling in the first half, again, getting used to systems, different line mates, to how he came on when they really needed him to was... Pretty good where you're you're relying on him now. Him being out is a is a loss where maybe early in the year was like, you know, like maybe he maybe he's not safe. You know, maybe he's gonna play limited minutes. Mm-hmm. And now it's he's vital. Yeah, well look, it's it's a twofold benefit because you get him back, you get his physical play that's gonna be a lot of fun and hopefully beneficial to watch in the playoffs. And then it's also no no disrespect, but it's also taking out Sam Bolduc, who probably isn't really ready for full time hockey in the playoffs. Yeah, not not a knock on him at all. It's just right. experience. Right. We actually got one more question that just came in. Let's okay. What do you got? All right, let's go. Uh, Black Quinn asks, 
Uh, let's see. Longtime lurker, first time chatter here. Don't All right. Welcome. If this was asked, here we go. As tense as the Isles seasoned and was, how satisfying was it to watch the Lens absolutely crap themselves their last three games? Oh, the, the Pens. The pens. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it, it's crazy because that's how, of course, the season would end. The pen, right. Once they lost to the Islanders, lost to the Capitals, it was okay. Pittsburgh is playing two teams trying to get the first overall pick. Two teams that are literally trying, I don't know, again, I believe truly that players don't tank and coaches don't tank, GMs right. do. I don't, every player on those teams are playing for jobs next year. But the fact that Chicago was able to win, and not only that, Columbus beat Pittsburgh, right? Their last game. You know, it was fan appreci- appreciation night. So when they lost, all the Penguins had yes. to line up and come back on the ice, <laughs> right. do the jersey off the How back. How awful is that? I remember the Islanders did it, I don't know, I remember how many years ago it was, mm. and they had lost the season finale. They didn't make the playoffs. If I was a player, I would be so miserable. Again, you're doing it for right. the fans. They support you right. all year. you got to give them back. But for the Penguins to line up after, what was it, 16 of 17 years they made? First time in whatever, 17 years they yeah, missed? They, yeah, 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 16, 16. Yeah, these yeah. guys, first off, on a, a bad Jari goal, which is becoming a normal sentence. <laughs> yes, um, it's more consistent than his glove hand, that sentence. But um, <laughs> wow. to have to like stand up, the, I, I, I mean, again, if you hate the Penguins, not I don't hate the Penguins, but if you hate the Penguins, <laughs> watching that must have been like winning a Stanley Cup. Do you think they still lose that game? If they weren't already out of it, you know what I'm saying? Like if they had a, true. been still in it, maybe they win. That I don't know. Game. Yeah, the right. Penguins had to beat Chicago, and right. they didn't do that. And well. it, I think I think this is good for the Penguins. Obviously, they just fired everybody. Yeah, um, they which should have happened for when they mm. they should have happened like three or four years ago. But I digress. And then there was a piece that came out in the Athletic, just just trashing Extall, saying the guy was soft. He he didn't have oh, the backbone yeah, um, to make the moves. I know who wrote that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he, I, I don't love anything he really did. First off, he signed Le- Malkin and Latang are still here for a while. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the fact that someone made a comment I saw on Twitter. I just want to get to it quickly: is the Penguins lost two ex- more games than the Islanders, and they fired everyone. What about the Islanders? Mm-hmm. That's true. Malkin, Crosby, and Latang all played every game essentially, except Latang who had the the stroke again. Which God God mm-hmm. bless him. Hopefully, you know he's up for the Masterton. I think he deserves it, same as Carlson. Mm-hmm. But those big three were pretty much there, leading the pack. And that comes right. down to, it was like an Edmonton-esque thing. You have so much star talent, and you just needed those little pieces around him. You didn't go out and do that and get that. And again, maybe it was a little too late at the deadline. Who knows? But Jari, They made some questions. But Jari even said, Jari said it was either sit out this season or play hurt. And he played hurt, and they missed the playoffs. Uh, if I'm a fan of the Penguins, and you had a healthy dismith, it could have gone out and gone into Varlamov or somebody like that. Mm. And you played an injured Jari who wasn't good. Yeah, I'd be pissed off, and that's on management. Listen, if, if he was hurt and he couldn't play up to his abilities, don't play him. Again, give Listen, your team a chance. But Just speaking from you know my fan point of view, I'm, I'm not really upset about the fate of the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. And, and I'm finally the Capitals probably. I'm finally happy to see a changing of the guard in the Metro division. The Caps and the Pens out, and you're seeing some other teams take over right now. The Islanders really aren't at the top of that. You're looking at Carolina, I'm the so Devils, the Rangers. I'm so excited about the Sabres. But Buffalo, yeah, well, Buffalo's going to come around in the Atlantic yep. too, but... It's it's cool to see that that change because I mean look those guys have been running the show for so and credit long. to them I mean of course they've done it consistently of course every year but that's it's it's cyclical right you yeah have, you have Chicago out west and you know you have these teams now and and now you have some some other up and coming teams and you know the Islanders are in an interesting spot I mean we spend another thirty minutes that we're not going to do right now on it but they're in the playoffs it's going to be a great series against the Canes just before we sign off here what's your prediction. That's so funny. We must have good chemistry because I was going to ask you the same exact thing. Well, I beat you to it, buddy. Um, 
I do think the honors win this one. I think it's going to go right. seven. I really just think it's going to be a grind the whole time. If not seven, maybe six. But I do think the Islanders just find a way, and I think they're going to win those key games. Obviously, they don't have home ice advantage, but those games at UBS, UBS is Arena's first playoff at all. Yeah, that place is going to be packed and loud, and it's going to be so difficult for Carolina. I truly believe that. Yeah, I agree, and I think as long as the Isles D can hold serve and, and maybe getting Romanov back, I think that's going to be the huge thing. I think that's what we're going to we're going to look back on in this series, and whether or not the Islanders get through is whether the D and Sorokin can hold up against whatever attack that the Carolina Hurricanes bring. But to that end, I think the Isles do get the upset, and I think they're going to do it in six. We talk about Sorokin. I mean, Sorokin's not only going to have to steal games, he's probably going to have to steal the series. And again, he's he's played well in Carolina. I think. Yeah. I mean, we saw that glove save, eighth game of the season where he made that ridiculous windmill glove save in the 2-1 loss the other day. He stopped 33-35. I mean... Again, it's going to come down to Sorokin because he is the Islanders' X-Factor for sure. No question about it. So, folks, we're going to wrap it up here. Jay, you can play your favorite song. We can get the hell on out of here. So, I want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv slash HockeyNightNY and your favorite podcast providers. Also want to send a big thanks out to Mike Moriel over at NHL.com for hanging out with us, giving us a great, great spot. And, of course, a huge thanks to our great sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Check them out at BlueLineDeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check them out at LostFarmerBrewing.com. And a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. And a very special thanks once again to Suter Sweet Treats, Meg and Michelle. Thank you so much for the wonderful cookies. And, hey, Maybe the Islanders will be hoisting this in a couple weeks. We'll see what happens. Maybe come June time, right? Great job. We'll little custom Stanley Cup there. And uh, listen, thanks to you guys as always for tuning in. Remember, you please rate, review, and subscribe. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Stefan, where can we follow you and find your great content? So busy chewing. I apologize. Do your uh, best, man. It's fine. Uh, S-T-E-F-E-N <laughs> underscore R-O-S-N-E-R on Twitter and the Hockey News. The Hockey News. You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the TikTok. It's playoff time, baby. Let's see what happens. Game one is on Monday. Thanks for tuning in here. We'll see you next time.